Hello, everybody. It is December 1st, which means it's time to start recording our Call of Christmas Christmas special. Uh, it has been a couple of years since we did that lasers and feelings Merry Christmas hack that was... If you listen to it, it was as painful for us to record as it was for you to listen, I am sure. No, it's painful for you to record. I had a great time. <sighs> uh, so we're going to go back into the 1920s, into the northeast area of the United States, to a little sleepy town called Innsmouth. We have uh, our five players today. If we want to just go right down the line real quick and just do a quick introduction, and then we'll get character descriptions as we, we roll through it. As to, I mean, I don't know. I guess you guys can also say Merry Christmas or whatever if you wanted to, or Bah Humbug. Okay, so Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, uh, this is Jupe, and I'm going to be playing Cora Perkins, who is a school teacher. Do you want me to give a de- uh, description, or you said <laughs> no? We'll, we okay. we'll do that on the okay. on the there opening scenes. Mm-hmm. All right, this is Tom, and I'm playing Daniel Perkins, which is Cora's brother. Happy um, holidays, everybody! It's Oz. I am playing Wilfred Kincaid, an artiste known as the painter of lighthouses. Hey, happy holidays, everybody. This is Cotton, and I am playing Wyatt Rankin, a uh, professional gambler who has uh, decided to mosey on up to the Northeast to ply his trade of relieving people from money they don't need all that much. And happy holidays. I'm uh, Super Cookie, and I am playing Greta. She's a little old bitter lady. We should clarify that she's a lot old, not a little old. Old, old, not 1920s old. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, the camera will open up in, uh, I guess, the, the mid-afternoon hours in a little town that's not quite in Smith. Not yet. Uh, shit, I forgot what the name of the calls. Is lip switch or something like that? Uh, you're the storyteller here. Yeah, I know, but like, I felt like I remembered this because. Ipswich. 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 I see. I was real close. You were. Uh, there will be no edit editing. This is all free extra content. So this is raw <laughs> and live. You, you get what you get. <laughs> yeah. Get what you pay for. Exactly like in Christmas. It's the thought that counts. Was being very attentive for no reason. Um, so we open up in the little town of Ipswich where there is a bus that is an old, broken down, functional, but definitely has seen more than its fair share of miles that is pulling up to a bus stop to pick up its couple of passengers for its one other stop that it really has. It goes between Ipswich and it goes between Innsmouth. And as the bus pulls up and the door is creaked open and a large man, he's wearing a a little fedora, uh, Tribly is the name of the type of hat. Uh, On his head, he's got a big overcoat on. As this is coming into mid-December, his skin looks a little 
a little gray. Probably doesn't get to see a lot of sun with him uh, driving through the nights. And well, no, he would get a lot of sun, and then he goes, "Ah, fuck it." Um, perhaps has a bit of a condition. And as the door opens up, it sees a small gathering of people waiting to to come on board. Uh, I guess we'll go left to right again to get a quick little description of everybody that's waiting to get on board. Um, so waiting to get on board uh, this bus, uh, carrying a, a small suitcase, uh, a book in her hand, is a very plain-looking uh, woman, uh, brunette hair, just kind of haphazardly, kind of not in a pony, but just kind of pulled back. Um, uh, brunette hair, uh Big brown eyes, a very hopeful face. Um, she's she's super excited to be getting on this uh, bus. Um, she's in a, a frumpy clothes dress. It's just not very fitting. It's very uh, plain color, beigey browns, just no pizzazz at all. Her coat is probably a little too big. I think it was probably a hand-me-down from her mom. And uh, she is standing next to... A gentleman that looks kind of like her. Yeah, next to Cora is her brother Daniel, who's wearing also a not very fitting coat. Uh, Daniel is uh, uh, short for a man of his of you know for the modern height of this time. I don't know what that is, but uh, he's muscled enough for. Um, Goodness, he's muscled enough for, uh, for who, what he is. He's uh, manual labor. Manual labor. Thank you. Those are the words. Um, and he's carrying two large suitcases that are his sisters that he will be taking on the bus with him. Uh, standing a few paces behind is an average-sized gentleman. Uh, he has a fabulous fabulous uh, brown mustache. It is twirled at the ends, perfectly waxed. Uh, his brown hair is parted on the left side and it is glistening in the mid-December icy weather. He is wearing a pair of round spectacles and his chiseled angular features uh, mark him as potentially one of the most beautiful people in the world of the 1920s. And he is utterly uh, ignorant of the events around him. He has a, um, he has a pair of bags at his feet. Uh, one of which is smaller. It has uh, a box sticking out of it. it, has some, some interesting symbols on it and also a sketchbook. And then there is a larger bag, which is closed, looks more of like a, a valise or something that a European would use. He's wearing a uh, dark winter jacket, um, although it is partially unbuttoned. And between that and his uh, very ostentatious red wool scarf, uh, he is wearing a thin uh, artist style uh, black and white striped, horizontal striped shirt. Look, a valise is pretentious. Wilfred is pretentious. That's just how this goes. At least he's not wearing a beret. By the way, he's also wearing a beret. <sighs> Waiting for the uh, the bus to arrive. If everybody starts shuffling on, he'll be leaned up against the back. His wide ranking. He is tall, heavy set, and older. 
He's got a full white beard and a large wide brown brown fedora and a brown suit and a light brown and white vest underneath his uh, suit jacket. In front of him are two large brown suitcases, beat up and scuffed. Uh, if people walk by, they'll see that he's rolling a cigarette, and they wouldn't be sure if the thick tobacco was coming from his hands as he rolls it or the suit jacket that he has on. As the last people begin to board the, tr- the, board the bus, he would uh, grab both suitcases after putting the cigarette in his mouth and lighting it with an old school, uh, those like, you know, fuel type lighters, pocketing it, uh, picking up both suitcases and climbing on board. With a groan and oh, a I thought you were in. Am I in town or do I get yeah. to be on the bus? <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to be on the bus that you went into, to town to go get something to go shopping you can be on the bus or you can uh, be waiting there to pick up no i i don't like to leave town it's uncomfortable out there the bus isn't good for your old bones it's all rickety and just kind of that exhaust just gets in your lungs it's no good for you you just got to keep the, the gross fishy smell of insmith to you so these four mismatched people get on board and you're able to to find your seats and after the fourth of you gets on which is mr mr rankin here um the bus driver gets up the bus shifts a little bit with his weight as he gets off of the bus and heads up to one of the nearby buildings you are left alone for a moment. Uh, if anybody wants to roll spot hidden, I can give them stuff. All Daniel will notice is the wonderful smell of uh, Wyatt's tobacco. Uh, Cora is, uh, when she takes her seat, she pulls out a book and begins reading. What book does she take out? Uh, the book she is currently reading is called The Sheik. For us uncultured slobs, what might that be about? It is considered the first of uh, the desert romances. It is a romance novel, as one other player at this table has described it. It is a bit rapey. Just a little. The kind of (laughs) trash one might find when they're going through a grocery store checkout. No, it's labeled romance. But yes, it is. It is like Harlequin romance. It's the trashy romance novel, basically. Yeah. Wonderful. That explains why you're unable to see anything. Exactly. I only advise for what's happening in this book. And perhaps it is that artist's eye that Wilfred has that as he settles in and looks around, takes in his surroundings, the the bus driver, you're gonna see his his proportions are a little off. You know, his eyes are bigger than they should be, his jaws heavy and comes down this distended, but it doesn't seem to be the uh, as though he were overweight and that it was that mass that is making his his face look a little weird because his neck is still the the same size, but he's just a little off. No, perhaps it's just the cold. I mean, he's just a bus driver. I could, maybe I could sketch something, but no, there's, there's this travelogue. Um, So Wilfred sits down and he's got a cheap looking magazine or something. And, uh, it's titled uh, Innsmith for the Adventurous Traveler, and it is, of course, a travelogue of, of New England, the Northeast, and it is a 
lovely article on Innsmouth, the bed and breakfasts, the theater, um, the, the local hospital, the, the temples, and of course the lighthouse. And there's in a grease pencil, the, the word lighthouse has been circled. There's a little picture of a lighthouse that's been drawn with a artistic hand. And uh, Wilfred will tear his gaze away from the fascinating bus driver and back to his back to his articles, so he can read all about Innsmouth. Dare I ask who has written this fascinating article? Uh, one Philip Wiesel. He sounds like a very cultured person. Uh, yes, um, he's part of the uh, traveling Valise Society. And his travel log came very highly recommended. Was it recommended by a Philip Wiesel? Yes, as a matter of fact, it was. Ah, very good. Is there any mention in this travel log of a, a certain strangeness to the appearance of some of the locals, or is that not in there? Uh, I believe it was noted as. Um, Quaint and peculiar citizens of Innsmouth. The type of diplomacy that one who is staying at a bed and breakfast with uh, one who is very quaint and peculiar might write. How very diplomatic of the author. It's also good to know that he kept his promise. He did keep his promise. A few minutes will go by. With, uh, before the driver returns, is there any conversation between you guys, or are you just going to kind of keep to yourselves? Doesn't oh, we'll definitely talk to some people. Well, there was this this young man here that was giving your tobacco a smell. Indeed. Uh, so, uh, you recognize quality, or just not much of a smoker, and get your nose turned by the strong smell? Well, actually, and Daniel will pull out a tobacco pipe and a little tin, and put his uh, tobacco in the pipe and light it up with a match. Oh, that's pretty impressive, son. I like that. I like to see somebody young with a pipe or, like me, still rolling cigarettes. These pre-rolls, they just don't pack them right. It's easy, but it's just not quite the same. That's a problem, you know. Modern society, everybody doing things the way it's easier, but I guess that's just me rambling again. It's the airflow on the pipe. Daniel, put that out. You are not supposed. A gentleman doesn't smoke in mixed company. Oh, I, I apologize. Of course, your sister's right. Oh, I she's going to wave the smoke out of her nose. Oh. Are you sure that that's his sister and not his wife? Probably. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Nobody'd marry her. <laughs> uh, why do you? Why do you see it that way? Maybe he's deeply unattractive. Maybe maybe it's just the way they sit together in the natural uh, camp. In fact, she's not wearing camper. a wedding ring. Who knows? There you go. He would hate to uh, assume the worst. Mm-hmm. I, I would say uh, a lady who got her her uh, unmentionables in a twist over a cigarette might not be the type to engage in, a, in an adulterous oh, bus affair. It was the way she talked to him. I understand. Mm-hmm. That too. <laughs> He'll, he'll hastily put his cigarette out. Uh, don't let her boss you around. There's nothing wrong with having a good smoke before we leave. 
Yeah, well, she is right about the old ways and manners. So I do apologize, ma'am. I've just been on one too many <sighs> modes of, tran- modes of, modes of uh, transportation that uh, had rougher passengers than these. I, I do hope and apologize. She'll nod to uh, the gentleman and then glare at Daniel and then go back to reading her book. Daniel will take one large puff of his pipe and then proceed to snuff it out. I'm not sure how you put out a pipe. You would turn it over and knock it against the bottom of your shoe. Mm-hmm. And waste all that tobacco? Yeah. yeah. Shouldn't have lit up in the bus. <sighs> the lady speaks truth. Oh. That's the consequence you pay. Oh, hard lessons learned or lessons long remembered. So what brings y'all to on this uh, this bus, this fair town that we are all seem to be headed to on this day? Well, my sister here decided to. Did she get a teaching job? Is that it? Over at uh, uh, Innsmith, and I'm here to carry her luggage. You make it sound like I forced you to do this. You wanted to get away from mom and dad. You yeah, wanted yes. to make sure I was safe in my new uh, uh, room. Yeah, I want to make sure. Yeah, of course, I want to make sure you are, you know, there's not too many creepy people to, you know. Oh, I, that's... Swear, I swear you're going to have to be fighting off those men left, right, and center. <laughs> She'll just giggle and kind of cover her, uh, cover her mouth. <laughs> Well, that's quite dandy. A noble profession and her noble guardian. Well, I do wish you the best of luck, ma'am. I know I was a bit of a hillion in my youth, and if if many things have changed that I don't appreciate, kids being a little bit rough around the edges and driving their teachers crazy is one I assume hasn't changed too much. With the mentions of rougher company and creepy people and weirdos, the bus driver comes back down the the little road here up towards the bus and behind him are a few other people and as they get closer you'll notice that they're all dressed for the cold they have their hats on they have some gloves or mittens uh big heavy coats and as the bus shifts as they start to get in four five more of these people these these large burly men come in they find seats amongst the the four of you sitting next to some of you sitting across from you sitting next to themselves. However, it is you guys have your yourself set up in here Uh, a moment or so after they sit down the smell begins to catch up with them of Dan, you will recognize it as the smell of the sea, which means rotting fish. And is Ipswich a coastal town? It is not, at least not to my memory, um, but these people uh, have some parcels with them. Maybe they're doing some shopping or trading or we're here to work. The bus begins to struggle to turn back on and it begins to drive if uh, nobody raises any objection. No, I think Cora's going to open her little suitcase and... Uh find a little bottle of perfume, put it on a hanky, and then close it up and hold that hanky to her nose to block out that stench. In perfect synchronicity, 
Wolfred is going to do the exact same thing. He reaches down into a smaller bag, removes the same size, same shape bottle, a very similar handkerchief, and then just holds it to his nose and doesn't even notice that Cora has done the same thing. <laughs> I assume Wilfred's hanky has got his little initials embroidered on it. and uh, It does, and there is a little stylized lighthouse with, with even the, the light um, shining from it. It's been embroidered on the bottom corner underneath his initials, WK. Oh, how, how just the worst is he? Oh my god. He is the worst. <laughs> well, second worst. Oh, what well, I can do is uh, nip a little bit of uh, bourbon to help dull the, his senses instead of dulling the smell itself. Just smells like a proper hard day's work to me. Yeah. There's a heavy funk of B.O. in there, too. Don't worry. Exactly. Hard day's work. A couple of things will happen over the next couple of minutes as the bus lurches to motion and begins its drive to Innsmouth. Wyatt, the gentleman that sat next to you, uh, upon noticing you take your little nips out of your flask, is also going to take out a flask and give you a small like, tip of the hat and he's going to take a drink from his as well. Um, it smells strong, but, you know, moonshine is going to moonshine. Indeed. He'll, he'll, he'll return the favor, touch the underbrim of his hat with a finger, and take another nip. And, uh, yeah, share that, that little special moment between uh, drinkers on a bus that only yeah. they know. People breaking the rules. Yeah. The bus was rickety, and the road is not well-maintained between Ipswich and Innsmouth. Uh, as you begin to get out onto the open road, you can see in the distance uh, what Wilfred will certainly recognize as like where there is uh, where the land meets the sea, but that's just kind of unoccupied at this time because this is you know like a hundred years ago now, and not every piece of land has been scooped up. Oh yes, he's very excited to see the uh, the land meet the sea as they they come over the the hill and around the corner, and he's immediately looking towards the distance to see if he can find the telltale tower, um, looking for the shadows in the uh, uh, in the in the shallows underneath uh, underneath the cliffs and the uh, beaches of Innsmouth. As you get closer, you will get more of a chance for that. The ride takes, I think it's like two or three hours or something to to make it out and remember. It's been a while since I actually looked. Uh, but as you come into the outskirts of civilization again, you're going to start to see buildings, houses, uh, a little farmstead as it's on the, the more outskirts. Uh, most of these things look unattended and worn down as though what was once very prosperous has begun to decline. Bus rambles on a while longer and then it goes from less of that rural area to more of like an actual town and it begins to slow down. One of two of the, the guys that are in here are going to start to get up. Uh, one of them is your friend Wyatt who was, who was drinking and he'll give you a, just a hand on the shoulder, big meaty grip as he nods to you uh, and begins to, to head off. And the, he and a similar looking fellow, head off towards one of the homesteads here. 
little bit more time passes, it's gotten well into twilight, and you guys are driven into the middle of the city proper itself. A city is generous, town proper. There is a statue of a gentleman that is there, and uh, a big building that looks like it was something important. Uh, Wilfred would recognize it, recognize its description as being the uh, the old Masonic Lodge, which is where the Esoteric Order of Dagon operates out of nowadays. There's a library. There's a couple of other buildings, a few little shops. Nothing like excessive, just like a general store. Um, the locals will begin to get up and start heading out. The bus driver is the first person off. He heads straight into the Masonic Temple, leaving you all to unload your stuff by yourself. <laughs> well, rude, but what a charming town! You know that the travel log said nothing about mm, the. Does it seem rather? It seems quiet. Very, very expect season, you know, weather. Mm, well, never mind. <clears throat> well, Daniel, I guess. Yes. Let, let's hit that and see what happens. There you go. So with a with a hard success on your listen roll, and check the little box next to it, and I know that uh, Fred hit his spot hidden earlier that he did mark. Excellent. Um, you will hear the the young siblings talk about a name that you are also familiar with because if memory serves you were staying with Greta as well. Yes. So okay. Then well uh he'll uh he'll definitely help get the bags in and say, well you know it appears I'm headed the same way you all are. Fellow travelers as it were, on the way to our lodgings. Let me get these bags for you, ma'am. Oh. Okay. Well um I, I think she's just a, a few blocks away. Well, you never know. I mean, you know, towns like this size, you know, it could be a map and it could be difficult to understand. Just want to show that you seem some basic assistance, you know, and you know, I hate for you to come to a town and have to carry your own bags or something. So it's what it's the least I can do. Cora just looks at Daniel like at a loss. Like, I mean, it's, it's very, very gallant, sir, but. <laughs> Companion was already taking care of the bags. Now, if you really do want to to extend a a helping hand, mine are right next to them up there. I, I I'll get up in a moment and get them, but just you know. Oh, I just wanted to sort of relieve you a bit of all the hard work I'm sure you've been doing up till now on this perilous journey. You know, I just feel like what I contribute to two young people making their start in the world. I mean, we took a couple buses, but it's not been on that long of a journey. Ah, yes, yes, but it's as someone who's traveled far and wide, it just... I just know the toll it can take on one. You know, just... Not just physically, but otherwise. But if you really insist, I'll, of course, put the bags here. You can, like, drop them down and kind of, like, motion at them. Up to you. Daniel picks up the two suitcases that he brought or was carrying on the bus. Yep, fair enough. I don't want to overplay my hand. I guess we'll all meet back up and uh, 
at our, at our lodging house. I couldn't help it over here. They were all headed that way. Cora's going to kind of scooch out and start to, to get off the bus because the smell is just awful. Still. Indeed, we should make haste. We should make haste. The smell is a little better off of the bus. It is mm, for sure. simply more diluted as there is actually air circulating here. Oh, well, that is a lot better. And uh, Wolfred's going to uh, fold up his little handkerchief and stick it in uh, back in his bag. Make sure that his little bottle of perfume is properly secured. And uh, look over at Cora and see Cora's got her own uh, handkerchief and offer a smile. I see we were of the same mind. Ah, uh, that was a little unusual. Yes, I... I- I'm used to the smell. It's just, you know, only, you know, out at the dock. It's unusual that it would be on people on a bus from an inland town. I, I just, he would, I, I just, I, I've just never. Well, indeed, um, even in Kennebunkport, um, which is another another seaside town, it's never that bad. But, well, perhaps walking in the in the uh, evening evening air will serve to. Uh, restore our constitutions and um, uh, clean, clean out our, our lungs and, and re- restore those humors. It's it's nothing, but um, I what is what is that book you are reading? Oh, she's kind of kind of look a little embarrassed. Oh, it's it's just a a a, a fictional uh, book. Where are you staying in in town? She's gonna put on a big smile. Oh, um. Uh, well, I had uh, intended to stay. Uh, there's a bed and breakfast that was suggested to me by a fellow of the um, uh, Adventures of Lee Society. Um, he stayed there some some time ago, wrote a glowing review. Um, but I, I plan to be about town um, most evenings and, and all the days, as a matter of fact. I'm uh, here to, to view the, the seaside um, uh, landscapes. I'm, I'm a painter, you see. Uh, small renown. Mostly, my my work has been seen and, and viewed um, in uh, Versailles and in and, and Marseille and in Paris. Um, but it is the holiday season. I came back home, uh, decided to see uh, a couple of other of uh, coastal sites, and so here we are. Oh, fascinating! So well traveled. Oh yes, I spent most of my uh, my my school years uh, traveling the French countryside. Um, uh, sitting with impressionist painters, um, expressionist painters, portraitists. Uh, really, it's very fascinating. Very, very fascinating. But um, oh, I, would, I would love to see some of. I would love to see your work sometime, or if 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 that's okay. Oh yes, of course. I would love to show you my portfolio. I don't have all of it here, of course, but I'm certain if we had some time and um, some seating and some good lighting, I could. Um, I, I would be delighted to to uh, show some of my work to you, some of my skill, perhaps a, a quick sketch and uh, and a signature to to uh, leave with you for your um, to to decorate your your home with once you're all settled in. Oh, yes, yes, I'm afraid right now it's just a small room in a boarding house here in town until I find more permanent accommodations. She's gonna start twirling her hair. How generous of you. Wyatt Rankin, by the way. Couldn't help it over here. Nice to meet you. I didn't quite catch your name. 
Wilfred's going to stop and, and look at Wyatt and then look between Core and Wyatt and then gesture to himself and mouth talking to me. Well, yes, that that's correct. I could your generous offer just be in my ear. Uh, oh, oh, yes. Uh, sorry, <laughs> well, Wilfred Kincaid. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to meet you, Mister Mister Ronkin. Exactly right, right. Yeah, well, I just I'm very impressed by that. In your resume, you said you've spent time with uh, with the expressionist and the impressionist. Uh, yes, both kinds. The, yes, and the portraiturists. Yes, of course. Ah, yes, yes, very, very. I, I, it goes without saying, of course. Well, because we're all, we I mean, should be headed into town and whatnot, but uh, it was nice to meet you. And I hope to uh, see you around. You don't have to play cards, do you? You look like a you know, young man, enterprising sort. I have, I have been known to play a game uh, once or twice. I did have a, uh, a stunning uh, time playing uh, Pinochle with um, uh, Degas. And and Laurent in, uh, in 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 Paris in the catacombs. Um, I, I should love to tell you all about it at some point, but I'm I'm certain that you uh, it was to find your your uh, your rooms, your well appointed rooms, of course. Pinochle is a good game. We like. Oh that. my god, who was that? Oh yeah, Cora startles Jetlova. <laughs> <laughs> Just no gambling. That's the devil's work. Uh, who are who are you? Greta Clap. Oh, oh, Miss Clap. Oh, how nice of you to meet us at the at the bus stop. Oh, we've we've assumed we we would be able to find uh, the the boarding house. You didn't have to come out in the in the dark and the coldness uh, for us. Oh, and she's gonna like take her arm and start walking with her, kind of hold her up a bit because she looks so ancient. Greta's gonna shake that off. Oh. It's dark out here. Trouble finding your way around town. This way. Come, come. Uh, yes, ma'am. Oh. Hastily grab his bags. What does Greta look like? Greta is short and hunched over, and she's been around for a long time. Skin care is not, not a priority. Her teeth have mostly long since rotted out. She's kind of greasy, and her gray hair is kind of more green. Just very, very sad and poor. Everything she has on could use a good scrub. You're out alone? Uh, Your husband didn't come? Mm, This way, boy. I guess I guess uh, Cora will start following her, but I think Cora's going to look around and see where the other younger gentleman. He's not following. He's not staying here, right? She looks a little disappointed. Um, he is uh, going to uh, lift a hand and he'll give a little wave and a, a brilliant smile, and then uh, he's going to break his his, his look away and uh, have a look around and see where. Uh, where the street markers are so he can find his way to his bed and breakfast. We'll stick with Greta's new friends for a little while. Is there any conversation, or do we just go straight to whatever Greta's house looks like? Oh, no. As we're walking through town, I'm telling this old town, you got to stick together, stay by the street lights. You don't know what's hiding in the dark. It's things... 
things can get crazy around here. Just stick stick to where you know. Don't trust your gut. What do you, what do you mean crazy around? Like, are you talking about crime? Nah, no crime, no crime here. Just just the gambling. No. That's bad. Gambling. Well, well, I I can assure you, I don't gamble, and neither does my brother. And she'll point to Daniel. Mm, excellent, excellent. Just stay to the light. That's all. Just stick to where you know. Of course, man. And, and I heard what you said earlier, and I must say I agree. Gambling is very, very wrong and bad. It has made many a man poor. Send your soul to hell. I'll bet, too. Some might say that's even worse. Are you God-fearing, boy? Uh, Yes, ma'am. Every day, twice on Sunday. Good, 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 good. Pray for you, I will. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you kindly, ma'am. Mark, it's that way. Go tomorrow. We get yourself some food. No no food. I, I did the linens. Beds are clean. Well, we, we, we appreciate that. Thank you, Ms. Ms. Clep. Greta. Greta Clep. That's me. Oh, okay, Greta. This here is the house. Not much to look at, but safe, warm, comfortable. Fire's there. We can grab that. Young, strong, strong boys. Grab some wood. Bring that in. Keep us warm. Sure thing. Well, of course, ma'am. What's your house look like? It's about as dirty as Greta. Well-worn. I don't think it's been whitewashed ever. A little moldy because it's damp around here. Uh, Everything's just kind of dark. You can tell she tries to keep her... um, pathway from the actual home to the street clear and there's some shrubbery it's not pretty i wouldn't call it even landscaped but there's shrubs inside is one common room um where there's kind of stuff like everywhere because she was a, she is a seamstress. So there's some like dress forms and a couple piles of um, like old, kind of moldy, funky fabrics that are out of date. Um, you see a door that says "Do not enter." That goes to what would be the other side of the house uh, where she has her. Um, tiny little uh, dressmaking store. But things have been bad around here for a while. There's nothing new. You spot two doors off to one side to two little rooms. And Greta doesn't have a bedroom of her own. She basically just lives in the common room. And there is a curtain that goes across the corner that you can only assume is her private living space. Less like a shack, more like a old, old house. All right. Um, I'll bring your bags to the room there, Cora, and I'll get a fire started. Thank you, thank you, Daniel. Yeah, Cora's gonna race to her to her room, and uh, yeah, when Daniel gets in there, she's just gonna go. Oh my goodness! 
you see. She's felt it. I didn't hear half of what you just tried to like stage oh whisper. God. Did you see her? She's filthy. This house is... It's just... So old. It's a good thing it's cheap. Definitely going to have to find a new place soon. I don't think I can stay here as long as I thought I could. I I assume why is behind these two people. I'm in my room. You're not in my room, room, sir. I didn't hear you you say (laughs) that. Sorry. Looks at you. I mean, the floor looks okay. I'm going to put some, get a bed set here for me on the floor. And uh, what are you going to do? I mean, it's... Well, it'll have to do for now. Yeah. I'm just going to have to find other accommodations sooner rather than later. That's all. But yes, go help her with the fire. Go. I'll unpack and put all our stuff away. Daniel will nod and head down to start the fire. Greta, what does Wyatt's room look like? There's a twin bed, a chair that's uncomfortable and tatty, and a mirror. Gotcha. Is there a uh, a bathroom? He'll come out and just ask on his way up the stairs. And where are the uh, facilities, one might ask? Outhouse, out back. Bears pump water at the sink. All right. Of course, of course. Thank you. Whew. He will uh, go upstairs and get situated in a little bit, come down and see how that fire is doing. And if it needs help, help him out. If not, he'll enjoy the heat. The fire's started nicely. And uh, Daniel will be holding up his hands to warm them up to enjoy it. Um, (sighs) Miss Klepp, um, do you happen to have any tea or anything that we could uh, boil some water for? I got tea. Yeah, it's good tea. It's, It's local. Imported. Imported local. Here. And she rummages around and gets out a tin and starts pumping her water. Gotta let it run just a minute or two. Get get the funk out. No soot in your tea. And she fills up the tea kettle and just goes and sets it on the stove on top of the fireplace where they the where Daniel had built a lovely warm fire for us. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you. I, I definitely await my uh, soot-freeze tea. So, thank you, ma'am. Good advice for washing, too. Let the soot out. <sighs> Indeed. I, I, I probably should have learned that when I was younger. Ain't your mama's teach you nothing? Mm, he, he'll, he'll come and bristle. Why, yes, ma'am, she taught me many, many things. I guess just not all of them stuck. Hmm. South. Huh. And just uh, arches like pop his eyebrows up, and then just kind of turn away toward uh, towards uh, his buddy Daniel over there. As we yeah, as we focus on the two of you sitting in front of the fire, getting some tea ready, and to just kind of enjoy the night, the camera focuses on the flame, which then turns into uh, a small street lit candle. 
that is, I guess they like that goes by gas. I guess I don't know. No, they have fucking electricity. What am I talking about? I was trying to be artistic and stuff, and I've just ruined every aspect of it. I, I want to say that Innsmouth has some of the last whale oil street lamps left oh, in the in the Northeast. One hundred percent. Uh, so how are you going to go about finding this place that you're staying at, Mister Kincaid? Uh, so Mister Kincaid, uh, he watches the others leave, and then he turns and underneath the whale oil lamp light, he reads the uh, article on Innsmouth uh, about the inn at Innsmouth, and then uh, he stops for a second, and then he looks again at the Temple of the Esoteric Order of Dagon. Oh, let's see here. It's uh, founded by Captain Obed Marsh uh, since 1846. Wow. And it's, oh, it's Polynesian, this this religion. Oh, I wonder if I can work that in. And he's temporarily forgotten entirely about finding his bed and breakfast. Instead, he's looking at the temple and he's trying to crane his neck around in the growing dark to see if he can frame this somehow against the lighthouse and, and make a, a a landscape out of this. And he's digging into his bag and he's got his box uh, with his supplies in it. And he pops up in the box. He's got a sketchbook and he's got a pencil out and he's starting to sketch the outside of this temple. Uh, left on the ground is the article on the inn at Innsmouth. As you are lost to your work, you're going to hear, but probably don't respond, but heavy boots on the the loose gravel of the loose rocks of the sidewalk here. As a man comes around, and he's got a long stick with a, uh, a little bit of fire on the end of it that one would use to light these last whale oil lamps that they've got here. He just looks down at you as you are drawing here. It's just like, what are you doing? Huh? What? Who? Oh, are you, are you speaking to me? He gives you a nudge with his booted foot. Oh, that rude. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I was, I was, uh, lost in, in, and the artistic moment. Uh, I am, I'm looking for the inn at Innsmouth. Uh, I just recently arrived here. I have reservations there. He will juggle, not juggle, he will uh, move his little lamp lighter in his hand to his other hand. And as the little flame on the end of it goes by his face, you can see that he's got very similar, those big bulgy eyes, layers of uh, fat and girth at his neck and a very wide and thin set of lips. He takes the, his right hand that was just holding his lamplighter, and he comes down. And he moderately, roughly, probably borderline assault to Wilfred, kind of gets you by the shoulder and begins to urge you to your feet. I, but it's not. That's, that's, that's oh, oh my! What? What happened to? You look a lot like the gentleman who drove us here on the bus. He went into the temple. That's the Esoteric Order of Dagon, isn't it? And if it was, well, it's fascinating. There's an there there's a a blurb on it on this article. Um, it was it was formed in 1846. Um, there was uh it, it he, he yeah, Captain Obed 
brought it back from Polynesia. You know, I saw in in um, Arkham one time there is this this uh, sacrificial bowl that they used to, to to gather blood in, and then it would mix it with saliva. Anyway, it's um, it, it toured all over France. Um, but uh, I just thought it was very very interesting, sir. Have you left the the book with the article on the ground, or have you picked it up by now? Uh, I have picked it up. Okay. He's going to motion with his hands towards it as though for you to either show him or he's going to take it from you. Uh, I'm going to show him. He will, uh, he will take it and he will take his little lamplighter and lean it closer over the word so that he can read it. And you can watch that this man is clearly not super educated as it seems to take him a while to read. Uh, Wolfred is going to helpfully point out uh, and and basically recite the article as the man is trying to read it. It's like, yes, see, there's uh, the, the Devil's Reef, and um, there was a um, uh, note here that uh, they have a lot of um, uh, 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 they have a museum with a lot of gold jewelry in it. Uh, they were very very fortunate in finding um, finding and prospecting, and uh, there's a lot about fish there. You 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 people really like fish. Which makes sense. It's a coastal town, but even even for a coastal town, you, you really like fish. He just looks at you from over top of the little book to put his large, bulbous, unblinking eyes on you. And while staring at you, he closes the book in his hand and puts it underneath his other arm. Let's get you to your room. Oh, fantastic. And if... I could have my uh, book. Uh, never mind. Never mind. Yes, 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 yes. Let's go. He starts to walk off down the street. He's easy to find because he's literally carrying around fire, and he stops every once in a while to light these lamps that have gone out or have not yet been lit this evening. You're able to easily be led to the inn. He motions for you to go up onto the little porch into the building and uh, without so much ceremony begins to just turn and walk away from you back towards the order where he found you um thank thank you sir enjoy the uh, enjoy the article it's it it's very knowledgeable he gives no response except to stop at a lamp take his little lighter and stick it up there and light it. How peculiar. I see where he wrote that. I see why he wrote that. They are very peculiar. They're very insular people. Hmm. He's going to turn and he's going to knock on the door and he's going to go find his rooms. Sure. Coming in, little desk, little lobby area, wonderful, quaint little chiming bell that you can ring just ding ding for uh, people of the house. Um, I don't remember what their names were. Didn't we look it up? It was Sarah and uh, Elijah. Hold on. Give me a second. No, it's Sarah. <laughs> Elijah sounds correct as well. Elijah sounds correct. Yeah. We'll wait for uh, the notes just so that she can feel good for taking them. The local, the local knowledge. Thank you. I can get it at a girl. It is Elijah and Sarah. Give their last name. Collins. Wonderful. Uh, trying to think if there's anything of interest that would just be laying about in this little lobby area that 
Bedford might be in too, but I don't think so. No, no pictures of the sea. Uh, no pictures of a lighthouse. Nothing about boats. Uh, there would probably be some of that stuff, but it would be all lower quality than he is used to both creating and experiencing. That's fine. It's something for him to look down on. Ah, so a, so because it is worse than his work, it is it is worthy of his attention. Exactly. So as you are staring at one of these paintings, judging it quite harshly, and some would argue unfairly, um, I guess actually give me a an art or something role to to get something out of these pictures if you want. An art or something role. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say spot hidden. I don't know if there's another skill that might be relevant here. Wow. <clears throat> that is fabulous. That is fabulous. With your 99, what is something that he finds in these paintings, in this podunk town that he is jealous of? So he's looking at this uh, poorly drawn, uh, poorly painted landscape of what could be laughably turned uh, as the Innsmouth boardwalk leads to the the fish cannery and the docks. And then in the distance is just this barely rickety tower that's supposed to be the lighthouse. And he sneers at it. And then he looks and on the boardwalk are some... Uh, some people with with uh, the peculiar look to them, but he he stops his sneer and he looks closer and they just look so happy and there's something about the way that they're painted that just it just inflames in, in the spark of jealousy deep within his artistic heart because uh, try as he might to paint these landscapes of lighthouses in the sea, there's just that simple emotion in a person's uh, countenance that he's never been able to accurately capture. Not ever since he saw that painting in the catacombs at Versailles. It is this picture, this painting that you are still looking at when you will hear a, uh, a sticky slide of a door opening when it's kind of like with the moisture and the dampness in the air is begun to swell and the, the door hinges don't quite hinge all that properly. And a large man comes out. Uh, what did Mr. Elijah look like? He was uh, the big heavyset guy, right? Mm-hmm. Eyes were bulging. The mouth was very wide. And, yeah. Webbed fingers. Webbed fingers. That's super gross. <laughs> this guy comes out who is wearing a, like a late evening suit. You know, you take the, the jacket off, but he's still wearing the the tie in a loose fashion around his neck and the button-up shirt and his little hat, even though he is inside. And he will begin to waddle is probably the best word that you would put to it over towards the, the counter in a in a slow and ponderous fashion. Wilfred is entranced by this gentleman because even, even in his simple clothes with his his childlike movements. There is beauty there, and he's transfixed by it. He looks at you with sleepy, droopy eyes and uh, kind of droopy cheeks as just like, what do you want? 
because now he's clearly behind his counter. It is time to do to do business. Huh? Oh, oh, ah, I am so sorry you caught me out of sorts. Uh, I am Wilfred Kincaid. I had a reservation here. I was going to visit for a, a week or so. Um, I'm, I'm an artist and I have come from Kennebunkport to see your lovely seaside vistas and hopefully capture them on the canvas. He gives a, a slow blink and then he turns to the side a little bit and begins to groan as he reaches underneath the counter. He pulls up a great big ledger and just onto the counter. Whop. It goes open and he begins to, uh, to kind of page through it with a big meaty hand. Can you roll your, your spot hidden for me again so that you can have creepy things? Never mind. No creepy things. No creepy things. So you don't notice that he has webbed sausage-like fingers. Uh. It's G-Arc. Goodbye, G-Arc. Oh, we were supposed to try that other thing tonight, but we totally forgot. Oh, well. And as uh, he clearly pages through this ledger, it'll he'll come to like the end of it, or at least the end that's filled out. And you're going to see in a scrawl something that looks like your name. And he's like, yes. He spins the big heavy book around and begins to get out a pen for you. Please sign it. Oh, no, thank you. I have my own. And he's going to reach into his bag for his art supplies box and he'll set it on the counter and he'll open it up. And, uh, the fingers he'll he'll wiggle his his uh, fingers on his right hand as he's looking for the proper writing instrument to sign his name to the ledger. Very artistic, I imagine. Incredibly artistic. Lots of swooshes. Yes, just the worst. He's got one of those uh, self-inking pens that you would you would pull uh, put into the ink pot and then pull the the thing back and it fills with ink. He's got one of those. That's the one he chooses, and he it's very satisfying the sound of uh, the pen nib on paper as he makes his flourishing signature. Sorry, I got sneezing. It's fine. You need a moment. I know. I'm just so wonderful. <laughs> That's not the word I'd use. He takes a little cloth sack the kind of thing you use to blot up ink and just kind of like just smashes it right on top of your signature to dry the ink smudges it a little bit of course and then puts that off to the side he hisses it's quiet but he hisses and he'll reverently put his materials back in his box close the box put it back in his bag And as you're putting your stuff away, he closes up the big ledger and puts it underneath his counter and then opens up his the side of his jacket where there's a bunch of keys that are just hanging and thinking on it for a moment. He pulls off one of the keys and he hands it to you. Uh, it's room like 307, I guess. It's as good as number as any. Uh, and then he'll Point over towards the stairs. Third floor. Oh, well, thank you. Um, how many other people are staying here right now? I know uh, I do enjoy uh, having having um, 
uh, rooms on the on the on the very high floor. But um, when he opened his coat, you would have noticed that there were a great many keys hanging in there. So clearly, not very many people. He'll say, "Slow season, not many tourists." Oh well, I guess more room for me. Um, okay, thank you. And he'll he'll grab his things and he'll look up the stairs and grit his teeth and start tromping up three flights of stairs. And as you round the corner to go up the stairs, you're going to hear the little jingle of a phone being put up on the desk and the receiver settling into its handle before it's then picked up and we cut over to uh, the Klepp household. Everybody has had the opportunity to put their stuff away, perhaps join each other for a little spot of tea. Yeah, here's tea. You pay now. You stay, you pay. Uh, yeah, um, Cora will, will hand her a, an envelope with uh, some money, and she's going to take a seat there by the fire to be warm and um, hold the teacup and look like she's drinking. Uh, Why will ease himself into a chair and say, uh, of course, of course, of course. Uh, unfortunately, I left my money in my room. Could we settle up potentially at a later point? Mm, five minutes. All right, I shall reconnoitre with you momentarily upon finishing this wonderful tea you've prepared for us. Mm. Good tea, it, it, local. It's it's local imported. I'm assuming Cora's uh, uh. payment works for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Cora, did you get uh, what time you're supposed to meet with the school to figure out your schedule or whatever? We're here. What 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 is the the time of year? It's in December. It's in December. Um. Yes, I, I'm I'm supposed to go uh, to the schoolhouse uh, at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, the, the kids are on on break right now, but I can get settled in and get ready for when they return. And, um, yeah, so 8 a.m. Why? You, you're still going to go with me, right? Oh, I thought because Miss um, Klepp here mentioned that we were going to go to the market to pick stuff up, I might go to the market with Miss Klepp. But if you want me to go with you, I suppose I could. Well, no, I'm sure I'll be fine. Go ahead with Miss Klepp. She probably could use your help a lot more than I could. Very well. Get fish. We'll have fish. I like fish. I'd be happy to accompany you tomorrow. Ma'am? Good boy. Oh, I'm sorry. You must have misheard. I I met uh, Cora here. To To the market, you know, for the fish. I'm going to the market for the fish. Cora is going to oh. her future place of work. Oh, I thought you were going to help her at the market. Ah, okay. Well, in that case, I'm sure you guys, son. I must have misheard you. I must find some way to occupy myself. <sighs> I'm, uh, I work here sort of as the, uh, the local entertainment, so unfortunately my days are rather free. Mm. 
sloth. <sighs> That's like a sip. Why, wow, ma'am, this tea is finer than the frog's haircut four ways. I appreciate it again. She just kind of stares over her cup. <laughs> so, uh, Miss Clep, how long have you lived here in Innsmouth? For my whole life. That must be, what, 30 years? Mm, longer than that, Sonny. Oh, you don't look an eight. A, a day past 30. Line's not good for your immortal soul, you know. All right. These poor, poor young people. Yeah, Daniel takes a big, like, finishes his tea and, like, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to, uh, settle in for the night. Mm hmm. See you in the morning. Yes. Uh, please excuse me. Have a, have a great night. And Daniel's going to head upstairs. Assume it's an upstairs? Oh no, one no. floor. One floor, alright. Uh, so Daniel heads to the room him and Cora are sharing. I believe I ought to head on up too, and as I previously promised, settle up on our death there. He'll push himself out of the chair. Stand up. Stretch it. Stretch a little bit more. Let's stretch it. And he'll go up and uh, obtain some monies. Dutifully pay off uh, his host. Hey, you are, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And she just gets up out of her chair and takes her money and her teacup over to where her curtain is, goes behind it. And if it, if you could slam... A curtain. She would have slammed that curtain. It just has that intense ringing sound of metal rings on a little pole. Yeah, and just a flutter. Uh, can I get Daniel? Uh, I guess I get the the three of you to roll a, a spot hidden real quick as you guys are going back into your rooms, and you guys are just mostly the worst. Oh, no, that wasn't me who succeeded. Oh. No, that was Mr. Wyatt. Cool. Greta, what is something creepy that Wyatt finds in the little room that he is staying in? Some little knickknack or doodad or something in there that's a little... Too ooh. many crosses. Are they arranged in some kind of strange way, or is it just like eight of them on a wall and like the other wall? There's... One on every single wall, one over the window, uh, like so an additional one over the window, because there's only one window in each of these bedrooms. And it's dirty, dirty with a cross over top, a cross over top of the door. They do have little um, like a uh, what's it called where you put your stuff like a, a wardrobe. Each room has like a little sad wardrobe and there's crosses on both of the doors of the wardrobe and upon like close inspection, they don't, they're, 
Christian crosses, yes, but there's no, they don't look right. Like there's designs in them, some squiggles and uh, weird filigrees that look very, I don't know, like oceanic, if that's a good description. Is it just in his room or is it in all of the little guest rooms? Both rooms. She's a minimalist. <laughs> wow, we'll take stock of it. And just sort of like see all the crosses and you know, staring at him. Are they, uh, are they like the Catholic cross with like, you know, Jesus on the thing? Or is you're saying it's just like a cross with the filigree inlaid on top of that? No, like, like a Catholic cross, but instead of like Jesus, it's weird filigree kind of strange like it's not jesus it's something that just i mean they all kind of look slimy they're dry but they look like they would be slimy hell <sighs> so she's gonna be one of those types of women well i don't know what sad event happened to her life to put up this many damned crosses but she surely has I don't want to look at it when I go to sleep. It's on every wall. This might rearrange him a bit. I'll just sort of uh, take him and uh, he'll put all of them on a wall like behind him. And the, the wall he looks at the least. <laughs> Risking all kinds of bad juju. Cool. Little do we know it's those crosses that are holding up the house. <laughs> yeah, they were structural support crosses. Load-bearing religion. There's <laughs> <laughs> my house you're talking about, you guys. Yeah, well, I don't care. I'm not there. This is why you I get a professional. <laughs> As we cut away from the three of you, four of you getting ready for bed, we come over to Wilfred as he is beginning to also, I imagine, get down to the business of sleep. Uh, yes, he is. He has uh, taken his clothes out of his valise. He's put them in the little wardrobe. Um, he has his sketchbook on the table, and there is an oil lamp that he has turned low but still lit. He is in his um, in his pajamas for the evening and uh, looking over the last of the sketch that he's put together, um, he's done a rough sketch of Elijah Collins in his little hat and his evening suit. Um, it's not very good because it still doesn't have any of that emotion, but he's, he's trying and he, he seems slightly proud of it before he gets this look on his face of disgust and then he tears the page out of his sketchbook and crumples it up and throws it in the wastebasket in the corner. Are there several pieces of paper in this wastebasket? Uh, there are. And on the table next to the sketchbook is his box and it is open. There's, uh, again, a bunch of uh, pens and, and uh, brushes and such in there. And he's already pulled out some of his paints and he should be sleeping, but he's, he, he wants to get the expression just right. Sure. Um, do me a favor, roll your, your power and we'll see. Okay. So you, you're working at this for a while, a longer while than you would have originally 
really put forth into it. And you do feel tired, but you manage to mentally push yourself through this. And taking a moment from your art to your drawing, maybe changing your, your sketchbook to a different sketchbook. Maybe it's the paper that's wrong and you're not getting the right feel for it. Maybe it's just getting it up and walking around. Uh, you will catch sight of something outside your window in your little room here on the third floor moving by in the street below. I absolutely have to go and he does that that kind of look where it's not not like putting bow through it trying to like get get all the shadows away but he does that kind of sidles up to the window behind the drapes and just kind of moves it to the side and, and look it down on yes uh you're going to see two shapes and they are leaving the building that you're currently in. Um, they seem very similar to the people before. Nothing unusual in wearing a big heavy coat in this time of year or the, uh, the hats on their heads, but they are carrying with them kind of between them, like a, like a sack that is rocking with their movements, just kind of like as they step it, it jingles and jangles and following where they came from. You see that they looks like they came from the little bed and breakfast that you're staying in and that craning your neck a little bit around, you're going to see a shadow of a, a large rotund man being cast from the light from downstairs. Hmm. Rather late to be taking a delivery, but these people were were leaving. Right, they were taking the delivery. No, no I I had it in reversed because it sounds like a shipment on delivery because delivery is coming to you. You know, I don't. Oh well, that's I don't fine. call the pizza place to to ship a pizza to deliver a pizza. Well, he's making a delivery then. Yes. Um. And it is perhaps at this time you realize that it is well past the witching hour. You should have been asleep long ago. Oh, yes. He will uh, turn off the oil lamp and he will crawl into bed. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. And maybe get Shark back. And the other thing. What's the other thing? The other thing that we were supposed to try? Oh. Uh, maybe. See how easy that is to set up, because I think it requires downloads or whatever, but... Uh, sorry, people listening, you don't need to know all that. 